Welcome back to the Colt House Podcast. I'm your host, Roger Riddell, and my guest today is uh, Bruce Lamont. He is the vocalist and saxophonist for the band Yakuza, uh, and he's also in uh, Corrections House, Bloodiest, Led Zeppelin II, and about a half dozen other bands. How are you doing today, Bruce? Great, Roger. How are you? Pretty good. It's uh, been a while since I've seen you. I think it was maybe like uh, 2018 when I worked uh, your merch table at that Yob show. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah, it's been a couple of years. So yeah, nice to see you again. So hell yeah. Yeah, how's things uh, been going? Going pretty good, man. Um, you know, life seems to be kind of getting back uh, to some kind of normal normalcy, I I guess, you know, at this point. But uh, yeah, starting to, starting to, you know, get back to that and grateful for that. So, you know, things are good. Yeah, it's so, been a weird couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Especially the last 15 months has been real weird <laughs> but uh yeah there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel so I'll, fo- I'll follow that follow that light for you know for now <laughs> and uh, i heard that you were in the process of uh working on a new yakuza album yep we are uh we're we have been we've been working on this record for like three years and we're finally hitting the studio in june and uh really excited um 10 songs Jerome Marshall's playing bass for us or has for the last couple of years. And he's a, he's a great addition. He's definitely, he's the one, he's the one we've been looking for for a long time. So yes, it's, it's, it's great. So it's been 10 years since we put a record out. So um, we're all very excited. Yeah. I remember uh, Bale was uh, probably my favorite album that came out in, I think that was what, 2012. Yep. Yeah. The same year that that, I think there was that and the Knocked album came out that year and they were like kind of neck and neck for, for my favorites. Oh, cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, that, that uh, Bale just got re- reissued on LP, on, uh, LP format and I just heard it for the first time last night and I'm really, really happy with the way it turned out. Um, this guy, Colin Jordan in town is a kind of a mastering guru we've used for a long time and he did a, a special LP master for that one and man, he really knocked it out of the park. So I mean, you could really hear some night, I could hear every all of the all the instruments, you know, nice separation, a lot of, it's real punchy. It's yeah. I couldn't be happier with the way it came out. So yeah, it's cool. And you uh, mentioned Jerome joining the band and I think like the, he had just joined right around the last time that I saw you. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, he's, I've, he's one of these people that I've never like really talked to a lot, but um any time that I've ever been around him, I'm like, yeah, that dude's got really fucking good vibes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've known him for a really long time. I mean, he he tells the story the first time he ever saw Yakuza, and uh, he was 15 years old. And I remember I remember that kid. He was he was cool, and I, I liked him then. And now he's uh, he's all grown up and, you know, in the band, and I, I like him now, too. So I don't, I don't just like him. I love him. He's awesome. So, yeah, he's a great guy. Killer musician, you know brings it every every fucking show you know every every rehearsal you know so yeah he's he fits right in so we love him yeah 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 he's kind of like you in a lot of ways because he's uh he's like a staple of uh of that chicago bar scene up there too where like you're like the guy that's uh always associated with empty bottle he's kind of always associated with the exit i think uh sure yeah yeah now reggie's he just got a job there he just started bartending yesterday i think so He's now the, the new the new face at Reggie's and, and people I've talked to over there were really excited to have him. So, you know, yeah, he's just he's just good. He's good vibes, good people to have around. So everybody wants a piece of him, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that I've I've never asked you about, but I've wondered about uh, occasionally is how you ended up uh, naming the band Yakuza, because it seems like one of those decisions where like once you come up with it, you're like, well, I guess we can't tour Japan now, you know. Right. 
Um, I didn't come. I, I personally did not come up with that name. That was Jim and uh, the original guitar player, Eric Plunka. They came up with it. Um, uh, mostly Jim, Jim Steffel, um, who so plays drums for Yakuza 20 years later. Um, I came in a little later. He uh, just um, a love for, you know, Eastern culture and especially criminal culture. Uh, there, the the term Yakuza for us is not like a, you know, there's there's we are not mocking that that terminology or the 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 ideology behind what the Yakuza is in any way, shape, or form. It's more of a respect thing. Um, uh, <clears throat> he could probably uh, explain the band name better than I could, but I always thought that that's what it was. It was just like a homage to Eastern culture and, like I said, Eastern kind of criminal culture and. That there's a there's a different air about the yakuza's compared to like you know even calling your band mafia or something you know it, it doesn't <laughs> quite it doesn't have the same kind of ring it also doesn't have the same the same kind of um connotations you know i mean the yakuza have been known for you know members of the yakuza are missing are missing fingers and are fully tattooed and you know kind of like they 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 roam in the shadows of you know, modern culture and things like that, or, you know, modern society. So that all sounded pretty cool to me. So I was like, okay, yeah, let's call, let's call ourselves Yakuza. We have not toured Japan ever. Um, we're not afraid to though. We'll do it. You know, I, I mean, if the Yakuza come knocking on the door, I guess we can, you know, try to talk our way out of, uh, you know, having some fingers chopped off or whatever, you know, or maybe they'll find us to be good foot soldiers and we can, you know, party with them or something i don't know maybe the uh yeah. the yakuza house band <laughs> yeah whatever they want if they yeah i mean the, the yakuza gets what they want so they can, have, <laughs> they can you know so and uh that band was also kind of your inroad back into the metal scene after you were a jazz musician for a while in the 90s right somewhat yeah i was i wouldn't call myself a, a jazz musician per se but i was definitely uh exploring other uh styles of music through the 90s i was definitely like grew up a, a metal kid you know but going to shows you know starting in like 88 and then in the early 90s i started working at a record store out in the suburbs and um uh it was like being a kid in a candy store you know it's just like all of this you know there's like all of this can be yours and it's not like oh you know i think i think back in the early days of the metal scene you know it was like everything was just metal or nothing man and I, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't really down with that so much. You know, I was like, no, I want to check out some other stuff too. And when I started working at the record store, it was like all the other employees were like, yeah, man, it's like, you know, this is all yours. Go for it. Whatever you, I mean, whatever you want to listen to or try out or whatever, it's it's yours for the taking. And yeah. So I, yeah, completely did like a fucking 180 from metal to like listening to, you know, bands like the Smithereens back in the late 80s uh to you know the cure and you know and that was like you know it was kind of like that kind of rocked my world a little bit you know i was like oh there's so much there's so much, there's so much more than just metal i love metal of course you know always will um but there is there's so much out there and especially it's like basically now now more than ever it's like all recorded music is like at your fingertips so it's like just go for it you know it's like you can listen to anything i, I jump around from listening to Wasp, Double Live Assassins, to listening to Doc Watson, to listening to, you know, uh, Butthole Surfers, and then get into, like, you know, Dick Dale, and then switch over to, like, both John and Alice Coltrane, you know, like, it, who cares? Like, whatever. It's just, like, you know, everything's out there, you know, and there's so, uh, there's so much of it. There's so much great, there's so much awesome shit, you know, in music in general why limit yourself to just like one genre or one style you know i don't know I, I'm, I'm always trying to keep my ears open to anything you know anything and everything but i do i do have a love for metal for sure of course you know there's, yeah there's not there's nothing like it especially the classic shit you know i, mean, I grew up with a lot of that in the 80s and stuff and i've been i definitely been going back to that a lot last year too you know and uh talking to some of my friends from that that time growing up and stuff and you know, I was just joking with a friend. I like was listening to uh, was it the I can't remember the name of the record, but it's a, it's a live Sacred Heart, uh, live from Philly, nineteen eighty six Dio record. And I wrote to my two friends that I talk about music with a lot that are like my age, 
And I'm like, why do I always go back to 1986? My one friend's like, because it was fucking awesome. You know, it's like, yeah, you're right. Master of Puppets came out that year. I was 14 years old. There's like, I mean, there's just so much shit that was so amazing. You know, I think anyone, I think you just, you know, when you're young, it's, you, you find, so I hope, I hope that still happens for young people. But like, for me, it was like when you were young. I think Lemmy even said that about like his love for Little Richard. And, you know, he remembered, you know, they're not being rock and roll. And then there was rock and roll. And he heard it when he was a kid and it like changed his life. And he always went back to his, his influences were always like, you know, that stuff. I really heard that in that documentary. He's talking about it in interviews as well, too. And that really resonated like pretty hardcore with me. I was like, hell yeah, man. Like the stuff I heard as a kid, I still love, you know. And sometimes I hear people like, man, that music is stupid. I go, yeah, but that's my stupid, man. I heard that shit when I was <laughs> 12, 13, 14 years old. I mean, I still like people like argue with me about Def Leppard, you know. And I was like, yo, man, High and Dry is one of my top 10 favorite albums of all time. They're like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm like, I gotta be kidding you. Have you listened to that fucking record? That record, it fucking rules from beginning to end. It's Mutt Lang. He did all, he did a bunch of ACDC shit, man. That record fucking slays. But I also heard it when I was 12 years old, you know, and it blew my mind then. And I still, I'm almost 50, man. I fucking, I love that shit. It's so good. And I, but I don't like hysteria, you know, or adrenalized. It's not my shit. You know, that's like, eh, whatever. But, you know, like I said, stuff when you hear when you're young and you just hang on to it, you know, and whatever, you know, we all, we all got the stories. I've got friends that are a little, little younger than me. And they're like, you know, oh man, I love Weezer. And I'm like, oh God, I fucking hate Weezer. But I'm like, oh, wait, when did you hear it? They're like, when I was 10. I'm like, well, that's why you love Weezer. All right. Now I get it. Okay. That's cool. You know, and I, I totally back off, you know, it's like, I had this argument with, again, sorry, I'm rambling here. Um, I was talking to uh, this professor I had in college um, and we were talking about Kiss the first time they reunited. And I was talking about going to the show and I was really excited. And she's like, oh, you're going to see the Melvins, right? I'm like, well, I'm happy the Melvins are opening, but I'm going to see Kiss too. And she's like, ah, you like Kiss? I'm like, yeah, you know? And she's like, oh, wait, when did you get into Kiss? I was like, when I was seven. She's like, that's why you love Kiss. I was like, what are you talking about? She's right. <laughs> yeah. no, I, uh, you know, I argue with people all the time uh, about Kiss too, that uh, they, first of all, I think Dynasty is like a super underrated album, which is a controversial oh. opinion for Kiss. Uh, for Kiss thank fans, you, thank but, you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, just, I just, I literally just had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day and we talked about Dynasty and we talked about The Elder and how we both, um, how we feel about those albums that so we don't hate either one of them so like you know and again that's controversial they're like what dynasty's bullshit fucking peter chris even play on that record ace freely barely played on that record I'm like all right whatever i mean there's still some good songs on there i mean charisma is fucking awesome so it's like you know yeah. i don't know sorry you know i i'm with you and the elder too like i was like taught i was like taught to hate that record and i don't hate it i'm like it's not that bad you know, I've heard way worse than that. I mean, for sure. And from Kiss, too. I mean, you want to go hot in the shade. Ooh, now, that's a fucking garbage fucking Kiss record. I mean, you know, but yeah, not the Elder. I don't know. So, I mean, yeah. again, we can go back. I'm sure we can go back and forth all, all day long on that kind of shit. So. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, even some of their uh, unmasked stuff is way underrated. Like the Revenge album. It's fucking fantastic. Right. But uh, no one ever talks about that one. Right. Or, you know. I liked Animal Eyes when I was a teenager and Asylum too. Like, I don't, I don't hate, I don't like every song on, on either of those records, but I do not hate that either one of those records at all. You know, of course not. Look it up for sure. I'd love that. When that, when that shit came out, I was 11 and I was like, holy fuck. Like, this is what, I, what a good move too. Like them just take the makeup off and, you know, they had the, they did a big thing on MTV. I've ever watched it on YouTube, like the JJ Jackson of like, you know, the reintroduction of, kiss with no makeup on and they were like you know gene simmons i think they like superimposed like the the makeup faces over over gene and that went away it was gene and they're like paul and they had star child and there was there was paul with no makeup and then vinnie vincent was the onk and they had him and you know and all this shit and i love that i love that stuff good i mean man kiss i mean time and time again that band you know just figured out ways to just keep themselves fucking relevant and on top and moving along and you gotta gotta hand it to them for that you know i mean as much as sometimes gene simmons can you know say some fucked up shit and say some really dumb shit you know still gotta fucking tip the hat you know 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that is just really smart of him, too, to know that if he says something that's really dumb or attention grabbing or whatever, there's all these websites that are just going to write about it. Yep, you're, you're, you are absolutely right. Totally. And it's going to get people fucking squawking, you know, like like us right now. You know, it's like we're still talking about Kiss, you know, <laughs> in, one, in one way or another. So fucking good for them, man. That's, hell yeah. So. And it's kind of interesting, too, that for as much as people rag on them for having a piece of merchandise for everything, that's pretty much the model that, like, every super successful band has to do now in order to make any sort of money off of uh, what they're doing, because you're not making money off of album sales. Absolutely. That's funny you say that, because just recently I was just, because I was thinking about, um, we do merch for Led Zeppelin 2, and, you know, obviously that's an interesting that's a whole other interesting kind of thing to to wrap your head around is like selling merch of a band that's not your band you know and but so i mean i i want to think of it like kind of outside of the box a little bit so i i kind of i study some of the bigger bands as merch situations you know and uh and kiss is definitely one of them i subscribe to kiss kisses online merch uh uh store along with ozzy's and scorpions and uh a couple other big ones but i just you know i just kind of look at metallica for that matter too and they all have a very these days have a very similar kind of style i mean a lot actually a bunch of those companies are all it's the same company like ozzy slayer and scorpions i think are all based in some some company out of san francisco but you look at like the way i mean the the amount of throwback shit that they've all embraced like every band is like they've got so much to kiss and like holy crap you like dynasty there's a dynasty shirt out there somewhere there's a there's a you know a distressed look dynasty 79 tour shirt there's a dynasty you know just the album cover there's an elder shirt there's fucking everything there's something for every fan no matter hot in the shade i'm talking shit on i, I, was, talk, I was talking shit on crazy i put record i say hot in the shade i thought it was cr- crazy nights whatever it's the same crap but there's there's shirts for that, you know, and Ozzy's got everything. He's got Speaking of the Devil shirts. You can't even get Speaking of the Devil on any kind of streaming service. Like I had to, I rebought the double LP recently because I just liked that record, you know. And it was just, it's just fascinating. And Metallica too, tons of old shit. I mean, obviously they never uh, stopped selling the Metal Up Your Ass T-shirts or fucking Ride the Lightning T-shirts or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's really fascinating. So I just. I, I look at that and be like, all right, now what can we do in some way, you know, to make it Zeppelin-esque, but still kind of unique to us. So actually my, my future wife is in the next room, Anna Michael, she designed some of our merch for us and she did some really cool stuff where she kind of got art decoy with some of the, you know, some of the characters like a Jimmy Page, you know, she took it to Jimmy Page and, and she elongated him like kind of, and, kind of almost took away his facial features, but then, you know, but it's totally iconic. It's like him drawing the bow back, you know, and she just kind of came up with this this idea along with the Zep2 logo, which Stavros actually came up with for us. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a take on Zeppelin's logo, but just enough so we don't get, we don't get in trouble. Um, so yeah, I mean, stuff like that. And it's that stuff, you know, so it kind of seems to work for us, you know, we're a fucking cover band that sells, sells merch and we do sell merch. Like people buy the shit. So it's like, not, you know, we are doing sleep numbers, but we do pretty good for, you know, cover band merch. Yeah, I remember one of those nights that you played Silver Spring out here, uh, you all ran out of merch, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's happened. I mean, there's some, there's some bigger market shows like that or, um, we're getting down to Houston and Dallas. Those are two of our biggest, like biggest cities in in the United States next to Chicago. And uh funny thing is we just announced two House of Blue shows in September. They just went on sale a week ago. The promoter texted me today and was like, you're not going to fucking believe this. We have 400 pre-sales for Houston and 300 for Dallas. First week. I was like, sellouts done. Awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, People are chomping at the bit, obviously, right now to go to shows. So, like, but that's great for us. We're like, it just kind of reaffirms that idea that that shit's kind of happening. So, um, yeah, we've run out, like down there, like Houston. We've sold thousands of dollars in merch, and then for us, that's madness. You know, I mean, that's completely insane. You know, um, but it happens. I mean, ask Eddie Gobo. He's he's the one that makes the merch. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, I've, um... yeah. 
it's interesting too that like before the pandemic uh i would think about every now and then how crazy it was that you all are a cover band but you get booked in like tel aviv and like live nation promotes you in emails yeah yeah i've made jokes about uh about my um my regular band like a solo act i play people's living rooms and my cover band plays arenas so <laughs> and that's not even, that's not even a joke we played the bell center in montreal one time and that's and that's all it took so me and the drummer at the time were like well never thought this was going to happen weird you know but it happened so fuck it you know like whatever it's it's a weird time in music but we'll take it so fuck i'm, I'm thrilled no problem with it at all so yeah it took me years to actually want to embrace the Zeppelin thing. I was kind of like a little like, man, you got to be kidding me, but not anymore. Hell no. I love it. And if it can fund the rest of my projects in some way, shape or form, then fuck yeah, let's do it. You know? So. And it's, it's wild that you all, all have uh, all the mannerisms and everything down too. like, I, just the amount of uh, attention to detail that you all have put into that uh, is like kind of mind-boggling to me because you're basically like spending you know an hour hour and a half uh however long the set is uh Two embodying hours. like yeah 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 just embodying like totally different people like down to yeah. just like the little mannerisms like the way that that robert plant approaches the mic stand you know yeah yeah i mean it's it's, it's like a musical acting gig you know and i i, I mean thank you for the kind words i I always feel like that's a work in progress. Like I always feel like there's even, we should be even, you know, even more detail oriented. There's just little things, you know, I, I'm always looking around the stage, like how can we improve this even more? So like, I want people to like come in and just be like complete. I mean, if, if they're floored already cool, I want it to be even better down to like, we were talking about uh, alcohol on stage. Okay. Like people drink, we all drink, you know, and dudes we were drinking like white claws and stuff and i was like hey i don't i don't think they would drink white claws and stuff he's not saying you shouldn't have a white claw it's totally fine and also the branding thing too was like they're not giving us any money fuck them like if they do <laughs> well, well we'll we'll drink white claws till the cows come home you know but you know until then fuck that so now we do what they did they put everything in cups they had cups for everything including the water back in the day then even more so in my head they were all coca-cola branded wax cups from the 70s i'm trying to find those so we actually have i mean just that's a deep like a attention to detail like down to the fucking water glass there are all these coca-cola cups that they use in the 70s the exact same ones you know like trying to find those and, it's, and what sucks is like coke doesn't make those anymore i guess and you can only find those in like secondhand stores and they're like novelty items and they're expensive so like we can't do we can't do it i'm like fuck that shit we're not spending like hundreds of dollars on these stupid cups now at least not at least not right now you know but uh yeah it's like that there's a few other things you know i don't want to ruin, ruin the show for anybody but yeah we are constantly trying to figure out ways to just you know every little thing is there you know just so everybody has that people that because they that's the experience that people want you know they want to we've heard it from people they're like you know they they had seen zeppelin or they, they hadn't but they wanted to experience what they see in song means the same or you know even o2 or whatever they want they want that you know they don't want us for sure they want so, they want something completely different and that's cool that's what we should give them you know and like it's a business it's 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 a, it's it's a led zeppelin show you know and whatever it takes man i'll i'll fucking go to the wall for that and make sure it's always you know top notch or fuck it let's not do it you know yeah so. If White Claw did give you all enough money, would Black Dog become White Claw? Maybe. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Why not, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Why not? Yeah, White Claw become Black Dog become White Claw. Yes, totally. For sure. Wouldn't even think twice about it. What else you got? I mean, what else can we sell on stage? I don't know. I mean, all of a sudden, in between songs, like, uh, you know, Over the Hills and Far Away is brought to you by Apple Computers. Why don't you buy yourself an Apple today? <laughs> you know, whatever. I would fucking just turn the whole thing into one big commercial. You know, why not? Like, as long as they're fucking tossing money on the fucking, you know, on us, no problem. We'll fucking sell out like crazy. So, yeah, I mean, that might be the point where you would actually hear from uh, Led Zeppelin itself. 
I'd be like, oh, you guys are jealous? You didn't think of this before, you know? <laughs> why Why did you guys do this? No, because they have more money than, than you know, uh, than anybody in the whole world, in the whole rock world. I mean, they actually own their own music, you know, which is such a rarity. If, if, it's, if, it's, if they're the only band, I think Metallica got their stuff back, you know, recently, the last couple, that's why it's all blackened and reissued and stuff, but yeah, no one, there's like no one owns their own shit. Zeppelin has for forever, you know. Yeah. Um, did we? Did you ever tell you? I actually met Robert Plant finally after uh-huh. a bunch. Yeah. Um, he came into Thalia Hall while I was bartending. I had just gotten home from through like a weekend of Zepp shows. Got dropped off at the hall, walked inside, and a bunch of the production staff were like all like him and hawing. They're like giggling. They're looking at me, and I'm like, "What the hell's going on?" And finally, the head of production walks over and goes. We got a special guest tonight. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't care. And he's like, you get one guess who it is. I'm like, well, since I don't give a fuck who the hell's coming in this place, it's got to be Robert Plant. And he's like, ding, 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 ding. I'm like, <laughs> whatever. And uh, so uh, he's like, then he just gives me the details. Like he's coming in with a whole entourage of people. They don't want any like fancy treatment. They don't want to be put in VIP. They're going to come in this side door. That's all they ask. And they're going to hang out just in the back here i'm like okay whatever so the show's going on sure enough you know plant and this whole entourage is banned some jam productions people they all come in this one door and like okay there's robert plant and they, all the other bartenders are like freaking out they're like oh my god yeah they got, they got a damn I'm like oh, fine, whatever and uh the funny thing is is that so he's in there and he's kind of mulling about for a minute and then he makes his way to the bar and without even without even anything like no one did anything but he just made a beeline right to me and walked right right to me and he's going no i'm going to buy the first drink to like who he's with and he turns around and goes hello and i go what's up and he's like uh you know and i'll never forget the order for the rest of my life he's like can i have a motetto and i'm like yep he's like can i have a jd and coke and i thought in my head like what an old man thing to say a JD and Coke. No one orders Jack Daniels JD. That's like super like, I mean, my fucking, like, I don't know. My grandmother would order Jack Daniels as JD. I was like, oh, JD and Coke. Okay, cool, man. And uh, <clears throat> so, and he's like, you take plastic? I'm like, yeah. And he hands me his card. I go, you know, this is like one of the most awkward moments ever. But uh, hey, my name is Bruce Lamont. And I put my hand out and I go, I played a bunch of bands, but one of the bands I play in is called Led Zeppelin 2. And he stops for a minute and he goes, I've been known to cover a couple of your songs. And I go, yeah, I heard that. And I walked away and he started laughing and he was talking to this guy from Jam who I kind of seen around. He's like a, like a, he's either a security guard or he's like a, like a, a, um, a bouncer guy or, or like maybe like a bodyguard situation. He's a bigger dude. You know, I've seen him around at Riviera and stuff. And so I go run the car and I come back and he goes, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, sure. And he goes, uh, do you have any, uh, do you have any music recorded? And I go, do I have any music recorded? And he goes, yeah. And I go, um, well, I just put a solo record out like three months ago. You know, you want to check it out? He goes, no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. I meant of the Zep stuff. And I stopped for a minute. And I looked and I go, why the fuck would I want to record your music? That's ridiculous. No, no, there's no recording. We don't have any recordings. And he goes like, do you have any YouTubes? And in my head, I'm like, oh shit, here we go. This is how the suit, this is how the lawsuit starts. And I am, so I start going, ah, uh, uh, well, you know, we're trying to stay true to the, the, the legacy of Led Zeppelin. And I'm going, he goes, oh, so you play for free. And I go, hey buddy, I got seven bands to feed. Okay. I don't play for free. I go, yeah. And he's like, he starts laughing. He's like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't care. I just want to check the band out. And I go, oh, yeah, tons of YouTubes. Just type in Led Zeppelin too. You'll find it. He goes, awesome. And he signs this thing and he gives me a little tip and he's like, Bruce, nice to meet you. I'm like, Robert, pleasure. And I shook his hand. And that was that. So that was cool. All the while, the whole production staff is like hovering on the end of the bar, watching the whole thing go down and not one person took a picture. I'm like, you fucking jackbacks. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I, 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 I didn't ask him for a photo. I was like, I, I couldn't do it. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Fuck that shit. It was like, you know, it was, it was, a, we had a nice exchange and then he came over to me later and he's like, Hey Bruce. I'm like, yeah, what's up? He's like, uh, where's the little boy's room? I'm like, oh yeah, around the corner in this way. He's like, oh, thank you. And he walked off and took a leak and came back. 
But he did walk back up and say, hey, Bruce. And then he went back and told, like, his bandmates and everyone that he was with, like, what had happened. And they were all, like, laughing and, like, not laughing, but they are like, holy shit, you know? Like, he's like, of all the things, like, the bartender's a fucking in a Led Zeppelin cover band, you know? And uh, the guy he was with worked for Jam, and he walked over. And he, and, he, and we had met before, and he's like, what's up? I go, hey, good to see you. What's up? He's like, you told him? I go, yeah, I told him. He goes, awesome. I was I was gonna tell him if you didn't. I was like, was a little weird if I didn't say anything, you know. I mean, that's probably the only time I'll ever meet the guy in my life. So, but uh, it was funny. And then while they were leaving, one of the guys in his band goes, "Good luck with the band." And I go, "Oh, thank you. You as well. Have a good show." They're playing like the Riviera like two nights later or whatever. And I was like, "Okay, have a good night," you know. So it's kind of funny. But yeah, when I met Robert Plant, so and he he gave the pass. He said he didn't care. So I was like. All right, and now it's now it's on record with you. I was like, that. I was like, everyone, you heard that, right? You heard that, right? You can't sue me. You just said it was cool. <laughs> just kidding. I never yeah. thought he would, anyways. I never thought they would, anyway. So you know, I figured they got other things to worry about than some little old me doing uh, covers of their songs, trying to keep the legacy, you know, fresh and alive for the kids. You know, kidding. Hey, that's just cool hearing that he was uh, just pretty chill in general. Oh, he's, he was red. Totally, totally down to earth. No bullshit. And it was kind of funny because like he's talking to me and he's got his little hair in a bun. Great. And so and he's all wearing all black and I got my hair in a bun and I like my hair, you know, <laughs> I'm in all black. It's like I'm looking at myself like 30 years from now. I'm like, oh, this, oh we're like the same guy. Just a couple of years difference in age. That's about it. So, yeah, he was cool. So got nothing, nothing bad to say at all. Um, I've had other friends like play shows with him and stuff and say he's super rad like totally chill you know just down to earth you know yeah yeah you mentioned uh thalia hall how is that doing and also uh how is empty bottle doing just after this whole past 15 months um thalia is has been closed the entire time uh they are about to start having like some distant shows in early july and then uh i guess they had gotten the green light from the city they're allowed to do full-on capacity shows by the time lost was the hits here so early like late july early august and then empty bottle i've been working there for the past number of months um we tried to do an opening in October, um, just a couple staff members, and we had, they had opened a pizza place next door um, uh, in the bite space during the pandemic, and which got really popular. And so um, we were serving food and just beers and just you know kind of playing music over the PA and stuff, and it was cool. Um, at the time, people were still pretty re- reluctant to come out and hang. Um, and then after the the vaccination started getting uh getting out there um we opened back up and it was a whole different story people were coming in and now it's like i've done two events and they're they were completely chaos i think it was like two dj events and people are just chomping the bit to hang and yeah i mean we had to have like like we had to cut off like the amount of people coming in because our capacity was only like you know we we had kind of called it and it was like complete chaos you know their capacity is like 50 and there's like 80 people in the place. And I was like, I was by myself, you know, as a bartender, like, holy shit. Whoa. So yeah. And, and that, that, that was just our capacity. That's actually not like the, the legal number. It's the legal numbers more, but uh, yeah. So, and, and the shows are starting back up like now, pretty much not full shows, but by August, they'll be full, like full capacity and stuff. So yeah. How's it going in Baltimore? Uh, that area. Oh, in DC area, yeah, it's uh, yeah, DC area. Sorry, I haven't been into DC proper in like a while, but uh, just in the area that I live down in Arlington, uh, things are starting to open back up a little bit. Um, I'm seeing a lot more people out and about now, so that's all pretty good. And I think like this area's got a pretty high like vaccination rate, so uh, yeah, yeah, I think everything's just kind of like starting to get back to as close to normal as it can be yeah sure yeah same here so yeah you know glad for, you know happy for that so yeah i'm glad to hear that the bottle is uh is doing well and made it through all of this because that's uh 
probably one of my favorite small venues that I've ever been to. Like my favorite memory from that place is 10 years ago on, uh, I think it was Black Friday uh, when Cyanide played there. And I was like right up in front of the stage the whole time. And I wasn't even thinking about the fact that I was doing this, but I was like pounding my fist into the stage during their set. And for like two days afterwards, I couldn't like fully open or close it. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> you know it's a good show yeah <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah and cyanide too i could i could see that i could see what you were motivated by for sure because they're fucking awesome yeah so. i mean they're uh they're one of those like storied like old school chicago death metal bands where uh uh i think i was talking to mike about this on the last episode uh that city is super underrated. And as far as like the amount of influence that it had uh, early on, on both death metal and thrash metal, but it never really gets a lot of attention for that. Cause that all goes to like Florida and the Bay area. Sure. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, there's Chicago's got, got it going on on so many levels and it has for a long time, you know I mean? There's yeah. So much. I mean, those guys, I mean, the impact that trouble, has had on, on things up to even up to this point or at least but the offshoot bands to the skull and all i mean just those guys in general i mean huge and then just other other stuff too i mean uh i think of uh there was like Broadway trouble he trope yeah uh like slaughter destroyed and stuff like that like uh Master yeah, and like Paul Speckman's yeah, other like six yep. bands. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 exactly. Tons of stuff. So yeah, um, it's a it's a it's a it's a metal city that never got never got us just due. You did a nice piece in the Onion back in the, back a while ago. Was it ten years ago now? Yeah, like eleven nine. Yeah, it's been a while. But yeah, that was a cool piece. I was actually like I said, I was telling uh, my my future wife that uh, all about it. So and I was like, yeah, it was a really really awesome piece that. Thank, thank you for having me a part of it so yeah no that was uh it was a lot of like crazy legwork and pretty much everyone that that i still talk to from chicago to this day is all people that i met through doing that uh yeah. it's like i met well the first person i ever met in the chicago metal scene was blake and that was in like february of that year uh when knocked was opening for cradle of filth at the house of rules right. and um uh that was like a, a whole funny thing in retrospect because uh I was in grad school at that time and I had like I think I had an exam or something the next day but like I met Blake at the merch table there and he was like yo you should come to this after party at the Cobra Lounge and immediately I'm just like thinking fuck I can't do that because I gotta go take this test tomorrow because I'm in like all this fucking student loan debt at this point so sure. uh then circle back like you know six months later and i think through sanford sanford was like my inroad to like pretty much everyone that i know in that whole like music community up there yeah yeah go to the engineer who uh <laughs> who, in, who engineered all the records so yeah i mean yeah i mean i know that you talked like necromancer and stuff like that john who's who's a great dude I said, got to see him through the pandemic bullshit. You know, he does some, there's some, there's a building that was condemned on the block of my house and someone wanted to sell it. And I was like looking at it and, you know, I was calling Sanford. He's like, oh, dude, call John really quick. He'll come take a look at it. And so John's like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. And he came over and was like, Ooh, what do you want to do with this thing? I'm like, I don't know. It's a lot of work. What do you think? He's like, ah, yeah, a lot of work. But then we were just like shooting the shit, you know? Yeah, good dude. Just, you know, total fucking fucking great guy fucking metalhead motherfucker you know but also super skilled you know doing a bunch of stuff you know jack of all trades kind of guy so you know one of one of many awesome people in this in the city but he's he's a good one so you know. yeah i haven't seen him since maybe like 2014 uh because i caught up with him at uh some bar that uh andrew from atlas moth was working at at the time uh, okay and then i haven't like the last few times that i've been up there i haven't had a chance to catch up with him uh but uh he and uh mike from cyanide uh out of all of, like the old school death metal dudes up there that i met 
I think I've probably like uh, tried to stay in touch with both of those dudes the most. Cause Mike, I can just like message every now and then about Godzilla shit. Uh, Cause yeah. he and I both have that in common, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. We all got stuff we love even outside of metal, you know, or in conjunction with metal. Godzilla kind of seems like that's, that works pretty well with metal stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there was one thing that you mentioned earlier where it's like that whole metal or nothing mentality. Uh, and something that I think about every now and then is to like, what extent that has like in the long run kind of hurt metal as a genre. Cause pretty much everything that kind of steps outside the box gets shit on by like kind of the core metalhead audience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just it's just the the way that that genre went for a while i don't feel like that's the case at all anymore you know i mean even when yakuza started we definitely were not embraced by the metal community at large you know um but it's come around for sure it's a different i think it's different now than it was back 20 years ago but then you know there's a lot of like there's a lot of old school folks that were totally i mean macabre dudes fucking embraced us from day one you know so it's like those guys have been around for fucking forever, you know, and they took us under their, under their, their dark black wing and, you know, gave gave us an opportunity to, to play in front of some people. And over the years, um, early on, they took us out or, you know, had us play with them. And then I did some shows with them solo in Europe and stuff. And I was getting fucking booed every night. People were just fucking heckling the shit out of me. Like just hated what I was doing. It's my solo stuff. And, you know, those guys still stood by me the whole time. They were like fucking into it. And then at towards the very end of the tour, like Lance was like, yo, can I join your solo set? I'm like, yeah, that was a whole different story. Crowd changed their tune real fast. When, when he and I would do stuff together, they're like, oh, and that's fucking, you know, it's corporate death, you know, with this fucking joker, you know? And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. But yeah, good, good dudes, you know, and they're old school. And, and Necromancer for that matter too. I mean, he, used to come out to see us early on and stuff like that. And he seemed like he was into it. He came, he came more than once. So I figured he must not totally hate it. <laughs> you know, and, and I, and I, and I used to those usurper guys early on too, you know, like, I mean, Dan, Dan, Dan Lawson and I've been go back like really far. So, you know, and like Jimmy from jungle rot and shit like that, we're all friends, you know, and all that. Those guys are all old school, you know, and we're still buds to this day. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't look at us like we were fucking, from mars you know kind of they're like this is weird but it's heavy so okay you know other people were like fuck this shit these guys are horrible like, no, <laughs> fuck you fuck you you kenny g motherfucker heard that all the time but like, yeah, well, yeah. whatever you know and it's that whole thing has always just kind of been weird to me too because it's like bands going all the way back to early days of metal have experimented with different things like that i mean you had like metallica with the flamenco guitars at the beginning of battery Right. We had all the black metal bands that fucked around with the symphonic stuff, uh, starting with like Emperor and uh, on uh, Nightside Eclipse. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's there's history behind that, and even more. I mean, even go back to more proto metal stuff. I mean, fucking Hawkwind, come on. I mean, that's. I mean, Lemmy was in that band, and there was all kinds of fucking experimentation going on with that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember hearing like. Uh, Frederick from Mashuga's first solo record even 20 years ago and there's soprano saxophone on that on special defects you know and not that was like a thing I was like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna do that but I mean I heard it I was like oh that's cool you know like you know it was a is it Isham from Emperor they have a sax player in that band does he in his, in his solo band or I think yeah, so, I think I so. or he did at one point yeah, yeah. I don't know I'm just saying not not to be about the saxophone being you know the 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 instrument of experimentation that's not at all but i mean just trying new just trying new shit and, you know i don't even the first time i heard like uh was it blood off snored i always thought that was kind of like an experimental you know i mean they're heaviest that's or i don't know what that's called they is it one guy well is blood off snored one one dude one french guy uh, or a couple a couple french people we don't know yeah mystery yeah i don't i don't even care about the lore i just care about the music you know so it's like um, yeah, I, I thought of that as being kind of experimental. It's not, you know, your run-of-the-mill kind of metal metal stuff. You know, I don't know. I think there's a lot, there's a lot out there that's like that. You know, and you know, if if you don't 
define it as metal that's your problem you know yeah, and I mean, Chicago kind of lended itself to to being experimental anyways, uh, especially once you got up into the 90s and you had all the wax track stuff. Uh, yep. And, you know, you've got like, they weren't part of the wax track thing, but they're tangentially kind of associated with it. Nine Inch Nails, you got Trent Reznor playing saxophone now, you know? Yeah, 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 totally. I thought I was thinking about that too, actually, because uh, um, I just talked to a friend of mine who's a sax player named Mars Williams, long time uh improviser guy jazz improviser guy but also played in a bunch of rock bands he's in the psychedelic furs he was a band called the waitresses back in the day but he played sax on a mind is a terrible thing to taste uh ministry and uh i i thought that saxophone sound was fucking killer it's like super like you know delayed out and kind of kind of trippy and it was cool this is 1989 you know and uh one of ministry's heaviest records to date at the point you know and you know there you go so there's there's and that's chicago stuff you know yeah yeah um so speaking of uh saxophone and heavy music uh i think i saw on instagram recently that you're also doing something right now uh related to brain tentacles yeah, we uh, we actually got together last weekend for the first time in 20 months. Um, they came to Chicago. Uh, Dave uh, does some partnership stuff with Dark Matter Coffee, um, not music related or just related to him. And uh, they asked us to do um, a segment for kind of like their version of Tiny Desk um, that they're putting out, coming out soon and uh yeah so we got together aaron came into town and we did five songs for them and it was pretty fun which is great because it kind of got us motivated to get working on some new stuff we actually we have a new song that we played a newer song in the in the batch of stuff we played so but uh yeah we're getting ready to start working on some new stuff too so hopefully by next year we'll be in the studio working on some stuff you know <laughs> You know, that, uh, that first Brain Tentacles album is uh, something that I can always kind of put on in the background because it's not very, uh, like, lyric heavy, but it's just really good kind of uh, music to have on while I'm doing other stuff, you know? Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, the vo- there's not really a vocal, like a, like a really prominent vocal thing happening. I mean, here and there, you know, we just kind of, like, peppered in. It's mostly just the three of us, you know, bass, sax, and drums, but, you know, occasionally. Or unless you get, like, a guest like Eugene Robinson, then, then there's a lot of vocals going on. At least on Gassed, that one song. But, uh, yeah. But looking yeah. forward to uh, doing some stuff with them. And uh, so a few years ago, uh, when I ran into you at the barbecue, you stood in uh, with um, Dillinger Escape Plan uh, when their vocalist couldn't make it how much like preparation time did you have for that and how did you kind of go about coming up with <laughs> how you were going to fill in for the vocal part just using your saxophone uh i had no, no preparation time they walked up to me after the brain technical set which was at 10 30 in the morning so this is 11 a.m and dillinger hit at 1 p.m so liam and ben came to watch us play and uh i i to go to bring it back a little bit i was hanging out with liam the night before he had come to richmond um to hang with me and dave so we like kind of hung out at dave's house and he stayed overnight and so did i and had a few beers and we were already hanging out in fact we he and i drove in together we drove into barbecue in the morning liam and i did and uh so we did our so brain tickles did our set and i was literally packing my stuff up and liam like him and ben walked up and he's like yo dude first thing that was awesome. I was like, oh, thank you very much. And he's like, cool. He goes, and secondly, um, we have a favor to ask. And I said, okay. He goes, we want you to front Dillinger today. And I went, oh, why? <laughs> what, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, and he's like, yeah, uh, Greg missed his flight out of LA, so he's not going to make it. And I went, oh, bummer. I go, do you want me to sing? And he's like, no, we want you to do it on sax. And I go, cool. I go, you guys playing uh, 43% Burnt? They're like, nope. I go, you playing anything off Miss Machine? And they go, nope. I go, 
Well, I don't have to tell you because I stopped listening to you guys in 2004, so I don't know any of your fucking music at all. And they laughed. They're like, perfect. Amazing. Do it. And I go, can I at least see a set list? And they're like, sure. They showed me a set list and I listened to songs and I'm like, I'm not doing what Greg does on the sax. And they're like, just improvise. Just fucking, you know, make it as... Uh, that there wasn't really X actually said that they didn't really give me much direction. They just said just fucking go nuts. And I went, hmm, okay, go nuts. All right, see how this goes. So I, yeah, I listened to a couple of songs and I was like, okay, let's do this. And we just went for it. And you know, they were like, you know, we'll see. oh Ben. The only thing Ben says he goes, let's do a couple of songs and see how it goes. If it's a real train wreck, we'll fucking you can you can take off and we'll play instrumental. And I said, cool, whatever. I don't give a shit. We did a couple songs and it was okay. It was weird, you know, for me too. Like I didn't really know the twists and turns and I was like, I like to be a little more prepared, but you know, I can fly by the seat of my pants if I have to. So yeah, we did like two songs and I was like, all right, I'm going to sit this next one out, you know? So I walked off stage and uh, they did another song and they did this one tune instrumentally, if you remember or not. And then I, I like looked up and Ben and Liam both were like, come on, like get back out here. Like kind of a thing. Like I was like, Oh, well, I guess I, I, I guess I passed the test or what? I don't know. I didn't know what they were thinking, but yeah. And I played the rest of the show. I was like, fuck it. You know, like whatever happens, happens. And yeah, it was, I mean, it was fun. It was just, you know, it was a hoot for a, a one-time shot and you know, it was hilarious. And I know like Ben was playing with the crowd. He's like, what, what's the problem? You know, like, Oh, you don't like our new singer you know, or something like that or whatever. And they were like, people were just like, you know, they like, they like to confuse people and shit. It was fun. But I, yeah, we got, I mean, we're not like insanely, like, like I've known those guys for like a long time. I always see them like once a year or maybe every couple of years or something, you know, I've, I've been hang, talking to Ben since the early 2000s, you know, and yeah, it was cool. It was fun to do it. It was their last year as a band and yeah, it was a little, little fun thing to throw in there. So yeah, it was cool. And they, uh, they got to pull that one kid on stage at the uh, end of their set too. And he got to fill in on vocals. Right, exactly. So everybody got what they wanted. So <laughs> it, was, it was fun, you know. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, yeah. I think I've uh, been holding you up for about an hour now. So uh... oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite, quite, quite all right. Anytime, my man. So yeah, it was, it was a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. I'm sure I'll be seeing you sometime soon too, because uh, I think I'm more than likely moving back up there in the fall. So uh, cool. All right. Seeing yeah. you around. Hit me up, man, for sure. So, you know, see some shows. I'll be around, you know. Fuck yeah, dude. Great to see you as always. So, 